Online fam, welcome to Echo Online Service. We love that you are joining us virtually today. We have a whole lot of goodness coming your way as we continue in our Up series. If you're new to Echo, welcome. welcome. Throw a comment up and let us know where you're watching from. We'd love to connect with you. Here's what you can expect today. A few songs of worship, a message from Pastor Andy, and a time of response. That is right. If you call Echo home, you know generosity is a core value. The fancy biblical term is called tithe. Tithing is giving the first. Wait, the last. Nah, man. The first of our income to God through the local church. Malachi 3.10 describes it well. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Say what? That is right, my dear. The Lord hath said, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing that you will not even have enough room for it. Okay, so first, we test God. Yes. Second, he overflows our lives with blessing. Sounds like a sweet deal. A sweet deal indeed. If you are looking to step into obedience today through tithe and offering, you can do so a few different ways. You can head to our website, text any amount to 84321, or you can use the Church Center app. We'd love to celebrate Jesus with you yes. this Easter. We have three special service times for you to pick from. 8 a.m., which is a family service, mm -hmm. 9.15 and 10.45. Put it in your iCal, your Google Cal. You don't want to miss it. That's right. Thanks again for joining us, and thank you for being a part of our Echo fam. We hope you enjoy Echo online service. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. And in the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. And anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. Just let some of those words ring in your heart this morning as we worship together, as we prepare ourselves for communion later in the service. Oh, 
Lord, you're here and we know that you're moving. Man. God, you will fill us with your love and your grace. We are so grateful that you are here with us always, God. So we are in a up, we're in the up series and, and uh, this idea of, of this upward movement and progression towards what God wants us to experience. And today I'm going to give you kind of what I had in mind for the end. I'm just going to give it to you now. I think some of us, when we think of up and trying to fill in the blank before the up. That's what I want you to do individually. Collectively, I'm presenting messages and giving you an idea of how we can take steps uh, in God, but what I want to do is lean into the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you on the word that should go before up, blank, up. That's my prayer for you is by the end of this series that the Lord begins to give you an honest picture of where he wants you to go. But what I think if we're not careful uh, that we can kind of get stuck into is we start really worrying about like our resume, our resume types of, of like, hey, really, how can I move up in this world? How can I become more successful? How can I make, you know, a difference in these forms? And I think we can kind of get into those rhythms. And for some of us, we're like, yeah, man, up, I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna work out. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna go do things like that. And you've, you've got some of those upward movements. But today, I just want to just present this idea is what if we would spend a little bit less uh, concern about those resume type of fill in the blank ups and we would start asking the Lord, but really, what about our eulogy? What about that moment when we get to the end of our life? What will we be remembered for? That this upward calling is that, yes, it has something to do with what God is calling us to do today and tomorrow and the next week, the next month. But really, when was the last time you looked in the mirror and said, Lord, but really, what will I be remembered for? How will I reflect what you want to do in and through me? So I'm praying, man, that the Holy Spirit, may he inspires you to get up. Let's get going. And I'm, I'm praying that the Lord and the Holy Spirit would be able to help you fill in that blank. For some of you, maybe you need to follow up. Some of you need to lead up, build up, show up, slow up, pick up, break up. I mean, who knows what the, the Lord is trying to do, but I just sense that he wants to show up in your life and he wants to crack a, 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 your shell and begin to just really work on your heart and your mind that might affect the rest of your life. Can I hear you, man? So last week we spoke about Saul and I talked about how he messed up. I mean, he, he fell off the rails is, is in, in essence what he did. And, and without going into uh, the full uh, summary or the full like uh, message last week, in essence what happens is Saul goes to war. And when he goes to war, he has a specific instruction on what he's supposed to do. But what he does is he reinterprets, he fills the, he fills the blank in for himself. And he does whatever he wants to do. And then after that, that victory, he's feeling really good about himself. He, he, he's feeling really good. So what he does is he goes up this mountain and he creates this monument. 
And this monument is for him and how he's going to be remembered. And, and I just want to let you know what happens after that is Samuel, the prophet, comes to him and in essence says, hey, you're off. Saul was so prideful. He was like, he's like, aren't you proud of me? I did what you told me. And the, the prophet's like, no, I, no, you didn't. You didn't fill the blank in like I told you to. You did, you did exactly what you wanted to do. And then you went, you went on top of that mountain and made this moment to reflect you. And, and really the message that I was trying to present is the Lord is calling us to be driven, but he doesn't want us to be destructive. And, and I think that's the fear in life is sometimes what we do is we get so driven that, man, we leave carnage behind us. And so, like I said, I think it's safe to say that Saul fell off the rails. And today what I want to do is I want to go up to the mountain of Sinai and, and, and Andy, true geek uh, fashion and form. I want to talk about Mount Sinai. And for those that are, that, that are interested in the details, let me tell you a little bit about uh, where this mountain is in the, in the Middle East. It, it, it's, it's in the Sinai Peninsula, which tells you absolutely nothing. All you need to know is it's just this southern peninsula just underneath Israel. It's about 23,000 square miles. It's about the size of West Virginia. And we know that Mount Sinai is somewhere there. I mean, we have got the details. Not really. But the scholars have an idea where the mountain could be, but there's really no definite location. And I want to tell you that little detail because I think I want to make this small observation. I think the reason we don't know where Mount Sinai is is because we probably would have made a war about that location too. But there are some moments that the Lord are going to have in your life and they're less about the location and more about the movement that he's trying to do within you. Mount Sinai, uh, you know, their best guesstimations of where it could be is approximately 250 miles as the crow flies south of Israel. What's my point about that? My point is, man, they're far from the promised land and they're far from Egypt. They're distant. They're, 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 they're pretty removed. And now the Lord wants to do something in them. I believe we need to see them as no longer slaves, but they sure aren't where they want to be. And as the Lord has been pressing on our hearts to, to join that upward movement in him and through him, uh, man, maybe that's where we're at today. We walk in here and we're no longer in the bondage. We're, we're, we don't maybe need that rescue that we once had, but we're definitely in pr the process of restoration. Can I hear Amen. I got a really lame joke for you. You know, here, I feel like you guys need to laugh a little bit. I'm being way too serious. Way too serious. I, I'm, I'm afraid of stairs. Yeah, I am. I'm afraid of stairs. Um, but I, I don't know um, what steps I should take to overcome them. I'll drink to that. Does anybody want a dad like me? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Man, I am so lame. It's awesome. You know how embarrassing I am going to be to my child later in life? Here's the deal later. Thank you. 
So here's the deal. Up this, up this mountain on Mount Sinai, the Israelites have this experience. They have this powerful experience. They have this memorable encounter with God, but they didn't stay there, and they were never meant to stay there. And this is, I believe for many of us, this may be the beginning. This may be in the middle of the process where God is calling us to journey up. This is what we could relate to as the echo community is that this is just the beginning for us. So let us never let up. Let us never give up. Let us keep on showing up as we pursue the upward calling that rests upon our lives. And my question to you today is this, can you hear Jesus whispering to you? God is calling you by name. And you know what he's saying? Up. Let's get going. And this is what happens at Mount Sinai. I, I, I believe um, what happens at Mount Sinai illustrates what I want to talk about today is what happens at Mount Sinai illustrates why Saul fell off the rails. Why Saul messed up. We can learn a few points. So let's open up to Exodus chapter 19. One of the most um, iconic chapters in scripture. In fact, one of my favorite, uh, favorite references in scripture and what I want to do today is help you understand what's going on here in Exodus 19 and how we can apply it to our life. Really, there's three statements to help you contextually in what God is doing in this chapter. And I'll just give you three statements. It's God's covenant. It's Israel's response. And then God creates guardrails. As so what happens is they set up their camp on the edge of the desert and right up to the mountain. In verse three, it says, then Moses went up to God and Lord called to him from the mountain. And he said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. I'm sorry, I'm kind of smirking here because I'm still thinking about my lame joke. So (laughs) Lord, help me focus. This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourself has seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on, to, on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and my covenant and keep my covenant, then out of the nations, you will be my treasured possessions. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you were to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back down and summoned the elders of the people and he set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him to speak. And the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. I mean, haven't we done that in the past? We're like in a church service, right? Maybe we're out chopping wood, stacking wood in the back of our, our, uh, our, our neighborhood or, or our, our house or our land. We're doing whatever we're doing. Maybe we're on a bike ride and the Lord begins to speak to us and we, we're like, man, that is inspirational. Yes, we will do it. And so, man, there was a momentum. There was a movement that was happening. There was unity within the camp. And so Moses goes back up to the mountain and reports to the Lord uh, really how the people had responded 
to God. And then he starts having a conversation with God. And verse 12, the Lord says, put limits for the people around the mountains and tell them, be careful. Verse 12, they says, put limits for the people around the mountain to tell them, be careful. Everybody say, put limits. limits. And I'll say, "Be be careful. And I think this is why Saul failed. This is why Saul failed. He forgot about the limits and he wasn't careful. Moses continued the conversation with God and as they continued, God continues to instruct the Israelite people and what he's supposed to say. And, and so again, this kind of this up and down type of journey up this mountain, Moses must have been pretty tired. But it says on the, when he went back down, uh, on the morning of the third day, the action really began to happen. What happened, we see there's an earthquake and, and, and there's thunder and there's lightning. And this is what's happening when, the, when Moses is with God and what he ends up getting is the Ten Commandments. What, what the Israelite people would call or the Jewish people would call the Ten Words. See, what I believe the Ten Commandments are, are the guardrails for us. It's to, guard, to put these guardrails up. It's instructions and in how to be careful. I think many of us, if we grew up in the traditional church or in a conservative home, we heard about the Ten Commandments and, and what can happen is you, be, you can kind of grow a, a certain disdain against some of these, what we call laws. But I want you to change your perspective and not look, them, look at them as laws, but in essence, guardrails. Have anybody been to the Grand Canyon with your kids before? That day provided for me, when I took my three children to the edge of the Grand Canyon, provided me more gray hair in one day (laughs) than my whole life. How many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon and and honestly, you kind of just wish they would just put guardrails for your children? So guardrails are not bad. But so many times we get so fixated on it, fixated on it, and it's all we see. I mean, again, I'm thankful that there are no guardrails in the Grand Canyon. There are some, but very limited. Obviously, you need to be a responsible adult like me to take my children. Um, that's where you buy leashes, right? Isn't that what you do? Um, anyway. So God gives them the Ten Commandments, the first five of those commandments. And I just want to go on this really quickly. Are guardrails and help, uh, a guardrail set up to help us relate to God? The first five, not four, are set up as guardrails for us to relate to God. Let me tell you, they one, have one God. Because there are, no, there are no other gods, then the second one is do not set up for yourself an idol. Don't set up images or ideals and begin to worship those things over the one true God. That's number two. Number three, represent my name. Some of you, you memorized it as do not take the Lord's vain, uh, name in vain and, and you've missed the point. It's about representing the name of God that's upon your life. Number four is remember to rest in me. Remember to rest in me. And the fifth is honor. (laughs) And the best way you can honor God is to honor your family. Honor your mother 
and your father. One way to dishonor God is to dishonor our authority. It's so easy to do that. It's so easy to get caught into into that rhythm of dishonor. Uh, But Jesus and his teaching, he comes and he says something like this. What you do to the least of these, you do unto me. When was the last time you thought about the person that you dishonored as the least of these in your life? You realize that you create a valued-based list or, or you have this list of who's on top and who's on the bottom of importance. And maybe it's less about the child that Jesus is speaking about. Yes, that's important. We need to focus on the orphan and the widow and their distress, right? And help them. At the same time, you've positioned certain people in your life and they are the least of these. And you know what you're doing that's not relating to God very well and you're not staying in the guardrails very well because you're dishonoring them because they're nothing to you. Anyway, we could just pray, but I'm gonna continue. The next five help us set up guardrails with others. And those are, don't murder people. (laughs) Again, murder starts in the mind first, which totally connects with the commandment before, which is honor. The seventh commandment would be adultery. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not have false witness. Do not Covet, covet the other. I think what's interesting is when you look at those last five, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false evidence, uh, and do not covet your neighbor's house, and etc. Let me just tell you, for those that haven't heard this before from me, is murder is a mind game, adultery is a focus game, the steal is a hand game, the false evidence False witness is a mouth game. And guess what? Covering what your neighbor has is a heart game. God has set up rail, a rail system, a guardrail system to stay on his track. I'm telling you what, God has an upward calling upon our life. The question is, are we going to stay in the guardrails? And that's the end of the Ten Commandments. And what we find in this in this story is the people, man, in all the thematics, right, and, and all this actions happening, the thunder and the lightning, man, they start become, uh, they honestly became pretty uncomfortable. And they didn't really know how to respond. And, and honestly, I think sometimes when we place ourselves within those rail systems, sometimes, man, it doesn't feel great. Sometimes we feel like, like we, we are being limited, but I want to just present this idea of imagine being in this amazing, uh, vast uh, field where there's rolling hills and there's, there's places where there's forest and there's a pond and a lake and, and that's where we get to reside. This is where God wants us to be. God desires us to be in the garden. And my question is this, is why are we focusing on the electrical fence? That maybe the best freedom is found within the fences. I mean, I know I feel like that sometimes. 
when someone limits me and they put me in a room or in a box, metaphorically speaking, I can become uncomfortable. But usually when you're in a space that's confined, it is a safe space. And that's where God wants to put us today. And I think this is where Saul fell off the rails because he forgot the guardrails. He forgot the instruction. Saul lost his freedom because he never stayed within the fences. And and that's the message that I want to tell you today is let's stay within the guardrails. Let's stay into into these ideas of what God desires for us. And God's not trying to like, 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 be the killjoy, he's trying to provide joy within our life. The guardrail system has less to do with salvation and I believe a lot more to do with finding the best life for you here and in the now. And I believe that's why Jesus invites us to the table. Because within those guardrails is a table and Jesus says, come to me. Now, Exodus 20, 18, how it continues, it goes on. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, you know what? This whole kingdom of priests and a holy nation, we're just gonna leave that up to you. We're, we're not feeling that great about it. Why don't you just go speak for, for us yourself and we'll listen, but do not, have God to, do not have God speak to us or we just might die. And then verse 20, it says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of the Lord will be with you to keep you from sinning. We don't really talk about that word much these days. But maybe we need to. I think what the Lord... And I think it was the picture of, of some of you, you walked into this space, and I shared this at the beginning of the message, you walked into it and you needed to check your bags at the door. It's so easy to just carry the weight of our normalcy and say, Lord, I'm just comfortable with it. But maybe today is the day where we just say, Lord, have it all. Sinning is kind of a, a word that we don't like to talk about anymore because it begins to reflect how we have just messed up. We just don't cut it. That word could also be translated and understood uh, maybe a little bit better in just this idea of missing the mark. I think in the context of what we're talking about, maybe, maybe a little fear, a little reverence, a little bit of honor, Some of those guardrails, what they would begin to provide for us is in the midst of testing, we might actually be able to hit the mark for once with Jesus' help. At the end of this story, what happens is God gives one last instruction after the Ten Commandments. And it's it's honestly kind of an odd, it's, it's odd in some of the details, but he in essence says, make an altar with your people. I'm going to ask uh, Tara if you want to come up and band, if you want to prepare, we're about to close and take communion. But in this final little detail, God instructs the people not to build the altar too high 
in fear of that person exposing themselves. And when I was thinking about Saul and I was thinking about the victory that he had experienced right in the valley and how he went up that mountain and created a monument for himself that is a clear illustration of what we do as people that in the midst of victory in the midst of success in the midst of a win in the midst of some momentum we can get turned off the path and instead of creating an altar with God where we say Lord we humble ourselves and we seek your face instead we start creating a monument where we might be remembered I mean can we just have a moment of honesty have we fall, fallen short have we got so concerned about our our success our nest egg We've been so concerned about maybe even our calling that we've lost focus on returning to the altar. Because where these guardrails lead us is this, to God. And it's not just for you, it's for people to join you. And the Lord says, stay in the guardrails and come to the altar as much as you can. You know what the altar is? It's a place where the people would just ask for forgiveness. They would admit their sin. They would pay the price for how they missed their mark. They would remember God. They would elevate. They would exalt. They would worship God saying, you know what? You are higher than anything I should ever want to be. You are that. God, we fix our eyes on you. It's a moment where you take your attention off your resume and you start putting it on the eulogy, understanding the only thing that will stand beyond you is how you seek the Lord and what the Lord does in you. Because there are so many things that are temporal, temporal, temporary. God wants us to focus on the eternal. Jesus and his teachings in Matthew 22, 36, he says, teachers, which is the greatest commandment? Someone asked Jesus, teacher, what, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbors as yourself. And all the law, all the prophets hang on these two commands. Those are the guardrails. This is what the Lord's saying. Put those guardrails up and let's return to the altar. The very next chapter, Jesus is addressing a crowd and his disciples, but and amongst them are the Pharisees. And, and he says something like this, oh, hey, guess what? The law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful, guardrails, to do everything that they tell you, but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. Because they do everything to be done, to be seen by people. I'm telling you what, Saul screwed up. He messed up 
because he went to the top of the mountain. His goal was to create a monument for self. And then Jesus has these woes to these types of people, which by the way, we all relate to the saint. And this is the message that we need to hear today. He said, woe to you for this, woe to you for that. And then eventually he said, blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. And today, can we just close our eyes? We just make a moment and have a moment with God. Can we go to the altar? Again, that's an odd religious term of a place of us approaching God. That's all I want you to understand is can we approach God today and admit we've failed? Is today, could it be the day that we open up and we, we admit that our, our missteps, we ask God for those words that we can't get back. We ask God, would you begin to renew some of our wrong thinking? Would you, would you make our minds new? For some of us, we need to admit our sins. We need to admit that we have missed the mark. For those that are, 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 are familiar with the, the religious community today or the biblical community, today is the day that we repent, that we turn from our own ways and we turn towards God. Today we ask God for forgiveness of our sins and we step back into the guardrails. We re reposition our focus and we put Jesus at our center. The best part of the altar for us versus the Israelites is we don't have to pay the price. Jesus did. The Israelites, when they created the altar, would have to spill blood. Jesus' blood was spilt for you. There's some of you who walked into this place today and you feel far from God. You, you know that you have some sin in your life and today is the day where you admit that you can't do this alone and you invite Jesus at the center of your life. And as a community of faith, we pray a prayer every week to remind us that we can't do life alone either and that Jesus is the key. So today I'm gonna ask Echo as the prayer goes on screen that we would all pray this together and then we're going to take a moment to enter into communion let us pray Jesus I surrender I have more questions than answers but I choose to follow you anyway I acknowledge that you lived you died and you rose again all with us in mind I accept the rescue that you offer save me and lead me in Jesus name and his authority amen and today, Jesus, we come to your table. We're gonna do communion a little different today. We're gonna do it at your pace. The band is about to lead us in song. The prayer people will come to the edges of 
the front of this room if you want them. But what I want you to do at your pace, when you're ready, after a conversation with God, is to remember Jesus. Remember Jesus and what he has done in your life. You'll see, and what you were given, is there is a wafer on top, and below there is grape juice. The wafer symbolizes Jesus's body being broken, be, being broken for us, for the healing and the forgiveness of our sins. And the blood is the payment that God pays for our sins, that God pays for our, in, our iniquities, that God pray, uh, pays for how we've missed it. So as they begin to pray or begin to sing, I want you just to take a moment, maybe it's with your family, maybe it's with a friend and your pace when you feel like it's right. Let's take a moment as Jesus has welcomed us to the table and he brings forgiveness, he brings renewal and he invites us into a life of restoration today.
are so grateful that you love us so much that you would give us guardrails to live the life that you want for us. We are so grateful that you love us and care so much that you put these in place that we can live a life that brings you glory and honor and truly leads to peace and happiness. God, we love you and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I've been thinking about guardrails all morning and the challenges that kind of come with that. And there's different areas in our lives where they come to play. But the first thing that I thought about was being a parent. And my kids would probably tell you that we're pretty strict. Maybe they'd say we're very strict. Uh, Andy says truth. Uh, but what I think is interesting is we want the best things for our kids, right? Like as parents, we want the best things. So we don't say like, don't stick that piece of metal in an outlet because we want to be mean. Instead, we say, don't do that because that's terrible for you. We say, you know, work hard or we do these things. We set these parameters out there because we want the best for our kids, And hopefully, through love and support and encouragement, our kids know that. And I think if we can approach God in that place and say, listen, I know, even though it doesn't always feel like it, that God wants the absolute best for me, I'm willing to live in these guardrails. And I'm not going to get caught up staring at the electric fence. Instead, I'm going to live in the field that he's given me, and I'm going to trust that God has my best interest in mind. Does that make sense? So that's kind of what's been sticking out to me. And I've been thinking about this in one other area that kind of spills over. But every time I'm up here, I I try to encourage us as a church, me included, to be people of giving, be people of generosity. And the reason I do that is because I know when I read God's word and I've pursued him in my life, that I am in a better place when I'm willing to live on less and trust God. This week, because of your faithfulness, if you give to Echo, because of your generosity, five new churches started. Listen to this. I know. Colorado, Maine, Australia, Illinois, and South Carolina. Listen to me. Because of you, people today for the first time heard about Jesus. And that is something to celebrate. And I'm so proud of our church for being a part of that. Australia is like halfway around the world, and these are people that you'll never meet, right? It's not people that you would have come in contact, but because you're willing to be senders, because you're willing to be givers, you are making a difference around the world, and that is awesome. Now, we like to celebrate other things here at Echo. Would you guys celebrate a couple things with me? I would love to celebrate two sets of people. One is the people that are in Echo for the first time today. Come on. Come on. And the second group I want to celebrate is those that maybe said that prayer with us for the first time or the first time in a long time. Come on, let's celebrate today. 
You guys, we love you so much. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you have an amazing week.